Hello and welcome to Hot Girls with me, Lex on the Decks. This week I'm joined by the really, really wonderful KG. KG has had the most amazing couple of years and she's one of those people that when you hear her talk and you hear about her journey, you realise why. Because it's so deserved, she's so considered and absolutely passionate about music and radio and broadcasting. She was recently announced as one of the new presenters on Capital Dance and what she chats us through here in this conversation is her journey to that point and also her journey as a producer, which is what she is first and foremost a really, really special, brilliant dance music producer. So enjoy this conversation with KG. I'll shut up now and get into it. <laughs> KG on the Hot Girls podcast. Let's go. Ladies, gentlemen, listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls. With Lex on the deck. We in the mix. It's fire. Keep it going. We on fire. From London for the world. Let's go in. KG, welcome to the Hot Girls podcast. I'm so happy to have you on. I'm so happy to to have joined you today. Like you've, mo- yeah, literally the majority of guests that you've had on have been all of my faves. So it's great <laughs> to join the the Hot Girls alumni, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the, in the first series, we had some of the mixers that came in from some of the guests that came on. Your tracks were also popping up in the mixers quite a lot, so... Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so that. nice to have you. Well, the first question I wanted to actually ask you, DJ first or producer first? Oh, that is a really good question. Um, God, I feel like you've been eavesdropping on my, my conversations lately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely a producer at heart because um, I guess it's, it's sort of the area of, of, of music that I've, I've had my longest stint in. I've been music programming since eight years old, um, just obsessed with sound design and just the science behind production. So that was sort of like an early year fascination of mine. I've only really been DJing for about three years now. Pu- publicly, I should say, I've been practicing behind the scenes. But yeah, publicly, I'd say about three to four years I've been DJing now. So I still feel like a baby. <laughs> in the teaching realm of of things but I absolutely I, I love it that supplemented uh, alongside my production um it just goes hand in hand but yeah. I would say production is my that's my bag it's my bag <laughs> <laughs> it's good that you still feel kind of on the DJ side it still all feels so there's still a freshness to it oh yeah absolutely it's an industry that takes a while to kind of hack away at so it's nice to feel that kind of energy that you feel you know you're bubbling and growing oh yeah there's definitely some synchronicities there in in regards to even the ability to just connect with your audiences I feel like Mm. you know there, there was a part of my sort of music career span where it was just production but I was aware of the core base that I'd built but then didn't really have a direct way to connect to them but DJing Mm. out kind of allows you those opportunities to really connect with those that are invested in your music so for that I'd say DJing has helped me so so much I mean it is a party you know but it's networking (laughs) too Yes, that too. It's networking with alcohol. Um, yes. <laughs> Best kind. <laughs> I want to actually talk tech just quickly. What's yeah. your set- what's your setup? What what was your sort of software journey? Oh my goodness. I've been through it all, um, Lex. So I mean my early early stages in regards to like sort of like the music production journey uh that I've embarked on. 
it was I would normally use sort of acid pro the house pc software i'm sounding really old right now when computers were really really huge and clunky <laughs> <laughs> when the keyboard like the keys on the keyboard like stuck out they're like bricks on, on <laughs> yeah. the keyboard those times girl <laughs> i used to get these music magazines that would have like free demos of music softwares that you can play around with and create sounds with and there used to be a lot of these sort of acid house uh, demo softwares that you can install on your PC and and yeah just sort of put presets and loops together and and, and make sort of house music so yeah really fascinated about about that and I was a bit of a, a tech geek anyway really young I wasn't really into the whole Barbie doll thing I just I I, I was going against the grain from a very mm. young age Alex you know so <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just had this obsession with creating sound on I, I was a heavy gamer as well so I think that's quite um, a heavy element of I guess how I sort of gravitate towards sort of technical softwares and, and, and programs to that extent. Because there used to be like sort of music softwares that you could play around and music games that you can create stuff with on the PlayStation, for example, like the old school PlayStations back in the day as well. So there was one particular CD program called Music 2000. And that had like jungle presets and loops on, which I, I absolutely love. That was like one of my favorite games. Alongside all of like, you know, your fighting games, your racing games, like the music production softwares as well on like your game consoles. That was really um, definitely my thing. And then, yeah, I just kind of moved, ventured into more at composition um, based, using more composition-based softwares, Fruity Loops, the FL Studio, as it's now um, labeled, was quite a, a program. I find yeah. it, I love that it's gone from, like, Fruity Loops does sound so playful, doesn't it? And now it's yeah. like, no, we're FL Studio, we're grown No, it's up. like so bougie <laughs> now, yeah. <laughs> um, pretty much was exper- experimenting with that software. Yeah, that audio workstation was quite present in, in, in my, my teenage years. And yeah, just I've moved through all of them. Reason, Cubase, I'm currently now on Logic Pro X. I'm sticking to that. I am sort of knowledgeable, I guess, around, well, I, I know how to navigate Ableton. I haven't moved to using it yet as for my, my my projects, but maybe at some point I will do. But yeah, I'm 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 now on Logic Pro X. So it, it has been a, a journey just learning, kind of moving from, well, transitioning from working with loops that were already sort of pre-made and conceptualizing sound, knowing how to structure a song into like full-blown composition and then composing mm. notes, melodies, drum patterns, all of that stuff. So yeah, it's it's been a long slog, but it doesn't feel like it though, because you're having fun whilst you're doing it. Yeah. And you're constantly, your tastes change as you grow as well. Yeah, so. exactly. Your sound palette develops mm. over time as well. Um, which I can say my sound has d- developed significantly over over the years. Did you ever have lessons or was it always something that you experimented and sort of taught yourself? Do you know what? This is all self-taught, you know. That, that's why, like, I, I'm sure I can sort of attribute my bad eyesight to just sitting in front of the computer. <laughs> <Staring>. <laughs> For the majority of my childhood, I wasn't interested in anything else. There was just this 
really impulsive move towards mastering what I'd sort of fell in love with. And it was pretty much, yeah, self-taught. At one point, I did join my my, um, secondary school still pan band um so I guess in in that front becoming a sort of instrumentalist um I had like tutors that would teach me but then I also had a drum tutor as well who started me off on the drum kit so there are some sort of like live elements of 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 me live instrumentation elements of myself um I probably will tap into more uh, in my own personal projects too but yeah and on that front yes I was taught how to play certain instruments and stuff but on the music programming music technology front that's that was all all me all me yeah can you remember the first thing that you i imagine uploaded to soundcloud or put out somewhere in the world oh my god Um, that was a that was a kg production credit oh wow this is probably so it's definitely a cringy a cringy kg production i think this was at the point of where um the UK funky we were just on the tail end of the I guess the summer UKG era I'd say mm-hmm. tail end like UKG is pretty much forever UK garage US garage is is that's a legacy genre but yeah. um where sort of you UK fronted sounds and movements were concerned there were like seasons so I guess at that point after sort of the garage season, we moved more into um, the broken beat, broken house section of of dance music. And then UK Funky presented itself. So I was like, hmm, I really want to jump on this wave. I like it. I mean, I didn't have the skills enough, I guess, to um, create the... Because I, I, I absolutely love sort of US US garage and, U, and UK garage as, as, as well and, and house. Um, but I just wasn't really yeah. equipped with the tools, I guess, or the skills to kind of match the production level um, at that time. Too. Mm. But I felt with UK Funky, that was, that was pretty much achievable. And what I was making, I felt could fit into that era and also uh-huh. blend in with what other producers were making so my first song I wouldn't say because social media like we're talking like a decade ago oh my god like wrinkles are forming <laughs> on my face right now but um <laughs> yeah it, it was more so me sending my music out to a lot of DJs that were on pirate radio uh-huh. I was like well if you know, uh, baby steps. I'm not going to be too ambitious. Let's just see if I can just get my my first track. It was called Corsa, as in the car Corsa. Let me just get this UK funky-esque track out to like the bad man DJs on the pirate radio stations. If they're feeling it and I can hear my track on the radio, I will be content and satisfied. Like my goal is complete. Yeah. Um. So that's literally what I was doing. Facebook was picking up speed. All my uni mates were on there. So I was just hopping in and out of like UK funky Facebook groups, messaging a lot of DJs, getting their emails and saying, yo, this is like a new UK funky track. It's called Corsa. Literally, it was it was such the muggiest production ever. No mixing, <laughs> no mastering. Literally straight out of Fruity Loops. Lex, like, <laughs> literally bounced it and said, "Yeah, here it is." Type thing. I didn't even under. I didn't even. I, I wasn't even at the point where I could even understand. Oh, so there's like a post production thing that you need to do. <laughs> you were just like, "This is close enough. You guys are gonna want this. Here you guys is. are gonna want this to deal with it." Yeah, I think it sounds nice. So you guys should think it sounds nice. Do you know what I mean? So, 
<laughs> and yeah, literally, um, I, I sort of started to um, garner a bit of support on on, on the underground um, with mm. that. And with that, I guess um, my production level began to e- expand and I started to learn more about sort of production techniques and the whole production process into making records. Because my knowledge of from a self taught perspective was to um write you know how to make music now you can compose but you know all of the other elements as as i've just mentioned you know you're yeah. mastering and you're mixing and making sure the sonics of the actual record sound beautiful mm-hmm. out loud yeah that was something that i uh, the, the knowledge of that uh, that came to me much much later but it, it was it was a good look considering that these really dusty productions still got attention anyway <laughs> yeah i <laughs> <A> mean <roar. laughs> it is and it's it shows that you can be um i guess a kind of creator of your own start or securing those early it's a confidence boost as much as anything it as well is. it really was so gratifying and you know again there was one point yeah a bit of a double-edged sword as well because being an anomaly um it was really unheard of for a woman to be behind productions mm. that were borderline so aggressive <laughs> in, in in nature but production period i've always said this to everyone that my point of reference on the electronic front was Cooley G from Hyperdub but I hadn't heard of a woman producing there weren't any in proximity to me so I'd send my track under the moniker KG and then the response would be oh thanks bruv this tune is sick and I'd be like babes <laughs> babes it's, it's not a bruv I'm 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 a girl oh my days what what are you sure and that was literally it there was this like what what are you shoring for the next couple of years really because it was just unheard of and at that point yes it does do something for your esteem to know that you're probably the only fish in the pond that is of your kind but then comes the isolation then comes the misogyny misogynoir then comes the preconceived judgments of your competency being linked to your gender yeah because one of the things that i I did want to talk to you about is you know we mentioned earlier that i've had some of your friends on the show and you've built this brilliant network of artists and djs and producers throughout london and beyond i guess has that been kind of a period of over time and just working kind of how have you sort of built those relationships and built that network because as you say not that you can't build it with the opposite sex but it's sometimes easier or it's, it's one of the challenges i think when you're in those early stages is that you know the boy it can be a bit of a boys club and so it, it can, can be quite difficult to to find your people oh yeah absolutely and waves and bouts as well Lex because this has been a a very much you know I I always say that I'm at this point where I'm I'm really thriving within my community only because there has been one established I didn't Mm. really have access to that I'd say around the 2009-2010 period because of this sort of male dominated space and Mm. not being aligned with women and not knowing where they were really um, in order to connect and to collaborate and even women that were singers at that time because the known thing is to really go in with a, a man producer because automatically his competency is confirmed when you say oh like hey girl like do you want to work together da, 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 da. there's already there's no trust because this is not common for a woman to produce I don't know if you're good like that I'm used to going in with mm. the guys because <laughs> you look different you sound different you look I'm different not sure. you sound different yeah um, I'm, I'm gonna go in with the guys it's, it's, it's because they've got the equipment I trust them I know that they could deliver 
over. So yeah, there was just that sort of uh, doubt beforehand. But, you know, with all of the sort of safer spaces being established now, I'd say years later, it was very easy for me to integrate myself into a new network and also reconnect with the old because I had, I actually took some time out of music. You know what? I quit. I quit. I actually quit music. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I quit music. No I, way. It was a lot for me. I had literally like a five to six year break because I felt that, you know, when we were talking about sort of men, the, the, the boys club, and even if you were to receive help to some degree, that help was almost conditional and those conditions are pretty much <laughs> they could span from oh come and use the studio for free if you date me or mm. you know it, it goes it can go as deep and dark as as that and so and and, and, and having been so close to certain opportunities like maybe publishing deals falling through etc for me I thought okay maybe this is a sign that I shouldn't really um move within this industry anymore so I took a break but then coming back in it was very different and I think it was different because I don't know that more platforms were, were 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 there to really encourage women to get into music tech on the engineering front and the producer front just as well as the singer front as, as well but just spaces built to really accommodate that so coming back in at first there was a bit of anxiety but I thought oh this is really really nice and and it's easier for me to establish community knowing that I can look around and there's another girl that does what I do and we relate as 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 well and there's that support system and there are other other like-minded women that share the same interests we have all of this we have this common goal so that what yeah that's the connective tissue there whereas like, I didn't have access to that bit beforehand and then partner that up with competitive ego mm. <laughs> exhausting <laughs> you know you have somebody that you feel like impulsive creatives for example that mm. um this is just a, a template example I'm a person that needs time to consider conceptualize ideas and to emotively connect to what I'm doing before I build it where someone else can build like five tracks per day in a mm. in a seven day week span and yes yeah, like I've worked with so many impulsive men over my time so y- you'd literally be in your zone or like bloody hell, like you could be on your period you could be on your period mm. and you don't want to talk to anyone and you've got someone on your phone like have you done it yet have you done it yet have you brought the beat yet have you brought the beat bit oh you're taking long man you're taking on like you're not going to make it in industry if you didn't and it's just like i should have set a boundary then <laughs> because it's my personal space and i will deliver there is no deadline i'm not even getting paid for it yeah. But again, you know, when we were t- when I mentioned compromise, it was just that compromising of self and space out of the fear that, oh, I may not pop or, oh, I may burn this bridge with this individual because I'm not working quick enough. And it's just like, no, babes, like, mm. <laughs> yeah. Set, set that set that tone and nobody nobody should guilt trip you into doing anything yeah have your own way of approaching your work be firming that and if people do really want to work with you they will res- respect those boundaries that you've you've set so that's like a really big thing that I've learned as well is just working with people because obviously yeah you don't go around burning bridges willy-nilly <laughs> just saying light to them <laughs> it's exploding and everyone like not yeah just working with the right people yeah vetting vetting checking intention as well it all helps with the community building process yeah who you can stand alongside with in your collect your collective who you can go to who you can lean on exchange ideas with because effectively that's what it was it's like now I have more of a support system as opposed to then 
Yeah, and I definitely want to talk about that and that process of building your team. Yeah. I was just wondering, as well as boundary setting, was there anything else that comes to mind when it, when you came back into music and back into production and the industry? Were there any other kind of key lessons? or Because you obviously would have grown up in that period of time as well. So there was anything else that comes to mind that you came back in with that you think helped you progress in, in the way you have? That break was so needed, even though I pretty much threw the idea away of, yeah, really acclaiming success in, in, in music. Yeah, there's all the, the stigmas that surround women in, in, in music and what that came with. I thought, oh God, like this is more so hurting me than inspiring me. And I'm losing my knack for creation now. I'm I'm finding it hard to create. So on my way out, I, I literally just, yeah, think of it as, as more so like a, a sabbatical in that sense where mm. I really delved deeper into my spirituality, went went back into therapy, just worked on a, a yeah, just threw myself into an extensive program to sort of understand more about who I was, again, assessing boundaries celebrating vulnerabilities as well and not chastising myself for it understanding that I was gifted and knowing how to share your gifts in a healthy way I thought if I was to come back into music I want to do that I want music to be a source of my joy as opposed to um, the other way around and yeah just coming back in being really selective about who I'd want in in my space because it's not everything that you must say yes to is is as well energy preservation in this music industry <laughs> is how <laughs> it's mandatory it's mandatory and i know i know that at, at first it, it does seem that way you got to lay the foundation you got to be everywhere and hyper visibility mm. which is i guess it's, it's to some point it, it will help you but yeah just don't sacrifice yourself in in the process and so when i come back in i was like right after doing all of that inner work that internal work yeah when you come back in you just have a different uh take on on things for example you're, you're attached to your work but then you can handle constructive criticism for example you can mm. handle um somebody saying oh you know what kg you're not maybe right for this platform right now but maybe next time you know or an agent saying oh well we're not really sure if kg can sell in these territories and me being like okay that's cool mm. next year you know and it happening next year and me getting an agent the following years type thing whereas before if that was to happen i'd be like oh i'm worthless <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm crap my music's crap i'm crap i'm never gonna make it type thing but yeah there's a there's more of a resilience now i do celebrate my resilience but then i also celebrate me just being in touch with my emotions and wanting to bask in that sometimes as well I'm not going to be a brick house all the time but I think that's really that's that's, that's definitely helped me uh, proceed forward there's just been a consistency because I came back in in 2018 so there's just been a very solid consistency from that point up until now just yeah. do it if any conflicts or any sort of mishaps or obstacles navigate them assess but keep going whereas before that could literally it could send me into could derail yeah derail definitely send yeah. me to a very heavy like depressive hole but yeah that's that's not happening anymore because of the I, I really have put my self-care and my um my internal being at the forefront before anything else. Well, it feels like such a brilliant time for us to be having this conversation because you've just released the second EP. I've just literally released two singles, um, one of them being with 
Afrobeat um, artist, British Ghanaian artist. His name is Mr. Silva. That track's mm-hmm. called Coco. And I've um, just recently released another record with the amazing Toy the Lazy, South African Afro rave phenomenon. She's featured on um, our track called Inzinga. So yeah, those are like sort of the lead singles that we're rolling with right now. It just feels like you've been on this amazing journey over the past couple of years because the first Sensei won. Yeah. <laughs> what do you call that now? Do you call it yeah, you one? know what? A lot of people say Sensei won, so I'm just rolling with it. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, sensei, yeah that one. Yeah, the first Sensei. Going through that evolution, can you just talk me through kind of what that's been like for you in terms of obviously getting that first EP out and probably so much of that you were having to really drive yourself and then I imagine but um, maybe not but by some of the you know the incredible people you've been able to work with on this and as you say releasing with uh, on the label that you're working with yeah you've probably had a little bit more a few more people to kind of bounce off and work with so what's that what's that process been like it it's so weird because I've, I've really had to sort of sit down and absorb um, where I'm at just creatively um, mm. because so much has happened in the year I call like sensei sort of like the pandemic EP because it literally dropped after we went into first lockdown and even then before that that was also a year-long process in conceptualizing those songs too but mm-hmm. um, one of the songs Feeling Funky is actually 10 years old and when I came back into the music industry Goon Club All Stars which is the label at the time that I was working with really gave gave me that opportunity to give the old tracks the moments that they deserved and didn't have decades ago. So we thought, oh, it'd be great to, with the track Sensei, which was um, freshly produced for that EP, they thought, right, well, let's put in some of the old tracks as well and give them the moments that they truly deserve. So Blackberry, that Blackberry, that BB remix was on there and Feeling Funky was on there too. So you could probably even hear the the difference, I say, to those that are really invested in my sound with Sensei being the newest on that EP. They're like, yeah, like your production style has evolved so much. You can tell Mm -hmm. the difference between Blackberry music, that remix and um, Feeling Funky up against sensei itself so for me that was like right this ep is definitely going to be a staple point for a much more evolved sounding sounding kg this is like the beginning of that and even picking that concept as well with sensei i just love the name and the meaning behind that and just the connotations behind sort of um mastery like mastery of one's art just marking the beginning of that moving forward mm-hmm. hence why i thought oh let me just create a series just to commemorate that this is like final stamp this is the new level that i'm on so with this ep now and it being released on black acre i have like an ep an album deal with them it's just so amazing because now i am moving towards the record producer that i've always aspired to be but never thought mm. that i could be as well do you um, find you have to almost step outside of yourself to kind of look at what you're doing because when you're in it it just feels so different than when it looks and i imagine that you have people telling you like you're doing a amazing and you're, and you're like yeah I'm, I'm okay but we'll just keep working <laughs> i'm doing all right yeah <laughs> honestly it's like an i have an out of body experience all the time because even then it's like listening back to your music the records that i'm making now with like 
the actual song structures and singing on them and getting into my artists, you know, sort of channeling my artist energy as well, which is something that I've always wanted to do. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm actually doing it. I now have the balls to, <laughs> to fully unleash and, and show and celebrate all dimensions of me as a creative, um, which mm. is something that I've been yearning to do. But now it's like I can do that. It, it's it's an exchange now. I'm now, you know, my my core following or my 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 support base. There's an exchange with them, and they're receiving everything that I'm giving to them. It's amazing, and that's all I've ever really wanted to do, which is to have that relationship and make people feel things off the back of my music. So to get to this point right now, where you know I'm authentically me, and it's been received so well, it just feels so good, so 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 good. And the label that you're releasing on now, how did the conversation start with them? Did you approach them? Did you have? Were you connected with them? How did that come about? It's so funny how life works. So it's quite funny with these kind of conversations, isn't it? It must be it's like you so you have to look back and actually think, yeah. like, how did that happen? Like how <laughs> how did that happen? And um, 2019 for me was such a, a very powerful year for me and very strenuous um, at mm. that. Too. I mean, each year has had its its strenuous moments, but. Um, you know, I'd say I had my sort of hyper visible moment um, too. Well, still, it's still at that case, but like hyper visible in a sense where I was just everywhere. I was doing mm. everything and then everything, gigging here, here, traveling here, doing all the types of radio stations yeah. in, in a week, releasing on all types of, of labels. That was the year that I released on Roska's label, RKS, and I also released mm. on Hyperdub also as, as well, first time. So beautiful year, absolutely um, amazing. One of one of the um I guess notable highlights for me as well um in 2019 but yeah I connected with Jenny and and Eva from Black Acre at the time because they wanted me to do a remix for Branco okay and that was such a busy period for me um and I was like oh my god Branco he's huge absolutely love Enter Father the label um I know the Black Acre has a management strand and they look after him so you know the record's gonna the remix is gonna get pumped out it's gonna be amazing mm. it's gonna be a good look for me and my portfolio scene as if I've had so many dope releases that year and a Branco remix would seal the deal I um I missed the deadline Lex I missed the deadline <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know what? to be fair I missed the deadline it was ready but I wasn't happy with the remix I was like right. for a Branco remix this is not the KG standard that it should have been at and yeah. I was very candid with the girls. And I said to Eva, Eva, I'm going to miss this deadline because the remix that I've made, I don't think it hits. Mm. And Eva was just like, okay, that's cool. Don't worry. Like, we'll have, you know, another opportunity. You know, when someone says, we'll have another opportunity for you in the future, you think, oh, man. I've missed it. Yeah, you're like, never going to call me again. <laughs> it's over. It's all over, girl. Um, I was like, right, well, this is embarrassing, isn't it? Um, it's because it just feels too um, unreliable, the future feels yeah it's <laughs> in the air type thing is not concrete. Yeah. you know in the future that means like are you going to disappear am i going to be a, a a secondary thought or mm. a primary one it's yeah i thought i'd really blown it at that time and then um saw eva again at ctm festival i opened 
CTM Festival of Bergheim in Berlin. You know, iconic venue. That was 2020. I can't even believe that happened in 2020. But <laughs> I started off the year so yeah. good making my that debut. That is what a start to the year. I know. I know. <laughs> you can imagine. Like, I was like, oh, 2020 is going to be fire. I'm starting off my be year. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes. I'm going to be, I'm going to be touring, you know. <laughs> I've made my debut at CTM Festival. All of the, the who's who's were there at my set. And Eva was there at my set because Branco and Pedro were playing after me. And I reconvened with Eva again and we were catching up. And, you know, my agents were there. And it was such an incredible night. Mm. So later on that year, around, I think, July, August... I got an email from Black Acre and I seen the subject heading KG album. So I'm like, mm? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Because <laughs> I was thinking about, uh, you know, moving towards, I'm at a point right now where I really want to, um, I, I look at albums of, as, as life catalogs and I feel mm. like I've released quite a few EPs now on other external labels and, and home labels too. I want to work towards building, you know, my first official album. I really want to build a solidified body of of work because I feel like it's time to. So when I got that email, I was like, oh, my God, like, has somebody been like secretly watching me and, you know, reading my journal or something? (laughs) (laughs) I'm, you know, yeah, I feel like I'm I'm ready for the album. So they were like, you know, okay, you know, we really love what what you you do. We'd love to invest in you and think of it as sort of an artist development sort of deal we'd love to host your first album let me know you know let us know if black acre fits your vision we've got like a proposal mm. here with all budgets and stuff send us your ideas or yeah let us know if you're interested and then we'll take it from there and i said to them i thought i'd blown it with you lot because it's the branco <laughs> thing <laughs> i'm like what made you come back and ivar and ian who, who were over there um you founded black acre they were just like no we love that we love the fact that you take so much pride in your work that you didn't even just want to even hand in like a shit remix sorry I could can I swear I can't swear can I you can swear you can swear (laughs) that's fine (laughs) yeah they were like you know we was we 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 love the fact that you are so you always like to create moments with Mm. your music and even though you don't release as much when you do it's a big deal and the fact that you take so much pride and pay so much attention to detail in your work and you were bold enough to say no I'm not going to hand this in because I'm not feeling it we were like, yeah, KG's the one. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God. So me saying no made you guys say yes. And I thought, wow. God, and it's so funny because that could have that moment could have given you so much anxiety. Oh my God. Lex, like that moment for me. And it, there was a point in 2019 where I was so exhausted and mm. my mind was really playing tricks on me. Like, oh my God, have I shot myself in a foot? I'm very big on reputation and character. Um, yeah. Those that know me, that I'm very big on 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 that. And I take pride in, in who I am and mm. um, integrity and re- reliability is <laughs> definitely at the forefront uh, when it comes to the characteristics that I, that I hold as well. So to go against that, I thought, oh man, this is going to change their perception of me. Mm. Um, yeah, I was in my head a lot. I was in my head a lot. I'm a perfectionist too. So you can imagine, I was like, damn it. Why didn't I just hand that in type thing? But a full circle, you know, me really sticking to my guns at that point and saying, yeah, maybe this is not the way forward. And you know, if an opportunity does come back, it's meant to be. And lo and behold, we're here now. And it really is 
meant to be. They're just an amazing, amazing label. Everything from planning, organisational skills, and just the way that they've even managed to just leverage everything that I'm doing in such a Mm. short space of time. I was like, oh my God, this is definitely meant to be. And so nice to know that you've got that, just a little bit of time in that you're working together, you know? It's not like they've just picked up something you're working on and off they go, but you never know what will happen next. Exactly. A a bit of... It must feel nice to know these are your people for a bit. Oh, yeah. It feels so good. Like having a team. Yeah. You know, having a team and you're not the only one. Because they thought that I, like, um, had management and everything. I was just like, no, it's all me. Yes, I am (laughs) that obsessive. Yes, I am on social media every day. Even when, you know, I'm at my day job. I'm posting, (laughs) I'm producing, I'm, I'm producing on my break time. I'm producing at lunchtime. I'm doing promo posts and, you know, I'm answering emails, um, fielding offers. You know, the only thing that I've been sort of had the benefit of, of, of having access to is an agent, which I acquired in 2019. But apart from that, it's been me pretty much all by myself. So aligning with them and having those extra hands has really helped so much. And I'm, I'm really grateful. I've been on community radio pretty much since maybe 2011, 2012. Mm. And that was, you know, working that alongside the music until I, I took a bit of break away. But then coming back in and having all of these sort of short-term stints at NTS radio and mm. the Rinse FM takeovers with Goon Club All-Stars and coming in and doing guest mixes with DJ Polo, for example. Mm. Um, and then having residency at Foundation FM, Oh man, it's been so, it's been so fun. It's been mm. so, so, so fun. And because all of these stations, even though they're interlinked, because they're all, you know, represent radio, another one. Yeah. Um, all of these stations, even though they're interlinked and they're on the community radio front, also have their own community. So it's so great when you, when you're exposed to them, you then can build connections to those listeners too. And I've always been one to like rove um, as, as well. I think that's helped me a lot in just establishing connections and uh, connections and relationships in um, sort of the underground music scene. And community radio has played a significant part in in that, in helping me do that, but also helping me um, polish my uh, my broadcaster approach and, and style. And I love radio, man. <laughs> mm. I can't get enough of it. I, I really love radio. But one thing that was so beautiful too, and the birth of Foundation FM, I have to give a very big shout out to you, my love, Frankie. Um, oh, we love Frankie. Oh my God. An absolute gem. Shout out to Amy and Becky as well. Queens that gave birth to Foundation FM because it was the first space that I knew that I could really, really just be at home in. Mm. And the support that the girls give you, even to the point of where they, you know, in some instincts, they'd be like, oh, you know, okay, we've got like this event here. Miss Paige, you want to come play here? Oh, okay, by the way, we're doing the Foundation FM takeover at Converse trainer store in West London. Come down, do a set. It's things like that where you think, oh my gosh, like they're really really here to give your career that push and you can tell like all of the girls on there whether it be ellie camilla myself have really gone on to do amazing things on national radio as 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 well you know ellie prohan was there doing i think drive time at that point camilla rose was doing brunch so camilla's in capital with me now and ellie prohan's now on kiss 
and the girls are just smashing it and it's like community radio that does that it gives you that that level that leverage you know it's it's you know we've had amazing guests there at the studio so you can kind of think of it as national radio as well because the access is still the same like an artist will do still do a press run <laughs> at a community yeah. radio station too so that well can you imagine just having access and that wealth of experience and being able to gig off the back of that and have amazing yeah. shows and learn how to interview and celebrities and music artists and hone in on your broadcasting skill. Like the opportunity, it's invaluable. It's yeah. invaluable, honestly, yeah. We spoke about it a bit earlier, actually, but the, the amount of prep work that you have to do to do oh, a radio show <laughs> and just kind of the various things that go into it. I think those stations like Foundation FM mm. are almost critical in your actual ability and your development to know what it takes to be able to host a radio. So when Emma Capital or Kiss or someone is looking for someone. Oh, yes. You know, they know they're going to get a safe pair of hands because you've been doing it, you know, albeit to a slightly smaller audience that you're... you're your prep work, how to talk to artists. Absolutely. You know, all of they, that. they look on, that's why I say to any budding broadcaster, get yourself a stint on, on a, on a community radio stations doing bits because you're going to be equipped with all the skills that you need to thrive in, you know, on national radio as a broadcaster too, because you'll be doing what they do, but just on a smaller scale as well. And, you know, when it comes to the prep and, scripting and having a producer in studio which is the majority of the time all of these community radio stations have they have a producer there that you can work alongside with yeah it's really prepping you and preparing you for the bigger stations that you you are moving towards and aspiring towards being on so it's it's great it's great it really eases you in as well so once you get there you're able to handle it did you join when you could go into the studio did you have to do anything from do you home know- how is your process of actually getting on the station? I, I will be completely honest. Yeah. If last year you were to tell me, KG, right, you're going to be a full blown presenter on Capital FM, I would have been like, are you okay? What did the- <laughs> what are you playing at? All right. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> it's something that I did not foresee coming and it was around December 2020 and Rhiannon, previous producer at Foundation FM, the senior programmers at Global were like, right, Rhiannon, you know, you work at Foundation FM. They just taken on Camilla. So they were like, is there anyone else that, you know, we think you, you know, you think we should be paying attention to that's really, really Mm. good. And yeah, just give us a shout. We'd love to just sit down and have a little Zoom coffee you know with with and get to know them so Rhiannon whatsapp me she's like hey basically the senior programmers at Capital they they, they want to meet some new DJs and new hosts get to know people I put your name forward because you know obviously you know like, I think I reckon it'd be good for you and she was just like yeah just keep it on the low for now and mm-hmm. let me know if you want me to set this up so she put us all in a group email and then I, I jumped on Zoom with two of the programmers and we got to know each other then. And then I really thought that it was like, oh, you know, getting to know like networking. So, you know, I was up for it. I was like, yeah, yeah. sure. Let's do a Zoom link up. And I introduced myself and let them know what I do on the DJ in front, on the production front, on the radio mm. front. And one of the programmers was like, right, Kay, hmm, do you want to come in and record the demos? I was like, oh, <laughs> oh okay. Like, 
like, okay, this is moving. This is this moving is somewhere moving. fast. Okay, I, didn't, I didn't expect this, but um, I'm rolling with it. Because even then, during that initial conversation, they were asking me about, ideally, you know, who are your sort of radio inspirations? And, you know, mm. I'm like, oh, well, I love everyone from Annie Mack to Clara Ampho to my girl, Jam Supernova. Like, mm. all of these women, uh, Jaguar, you know, Jaguar Worldwide, yeah. p- powerful women absolutely dominating the radio space and i'm like well th- yeah those those definitely are my got my goalposts um absolutely adore them and they're an inspiration to me if we were to pick radio radio presenters those those would be my ones so they were like right coming for a demo so i i, I went in called it a demo quite rough went into the studio i think this was before like the really intense no i think it was during but then there was like covid regulations in place like there was no one in the office at all it was completely empty well i felt um, like at the start none of us really knew what was yeah it was around <laughs> that really vague point when no one knew what the heck was going on um, so we were um, like is this gonna end soon or what do we just, or... just go with it or <laughs> are we heading towards freedom or what's going on the very vague point of 2020 closer to the end that last quarter i went in <laughs> with one of the producers and we recorded a demo and then and I had another catch up with Capital and they were like, gosh, like your voice, your voice. Wow. Mm. Do you want to come in do a second one? We just want to hear you on this format. So I was like, oh, OK. Um, yeah. So I literally had been demoing January 2021, February 2021, March 2021. And I'm taking all of their critiques on board and their feedbacks on board. And the demos are getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Mm. And the program is just like, we really like you. And our programming team really like you as well. I knew that they were going to make a decision or something was bubbling when yeah. Mr. Jam followed me on all of my socials. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Okay. 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 <laughs> do, you know what I, do you know what I love about that? It's like, you know, when you get a new follower on social and you just sort of hope it's someone interesting. <laughs> oh boy. With this... <laughs> This, You're like, this I tell you is interesting. This must mean something. <laughs> Mr. Jam means something, wear. okay? A little old me. A little old me. Like, I was like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> you know, Mr. Jam, the king of Capital Dance right now, he definitely knows and played a part in sort of like the talent meeting and looking over new talent for yeah. um, the, 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 the Capital Strand and the station. Amazing. Just, he's just amazing. Mr. Jam. So when Mr. Jam was following me, you know, Twitter, like simultaneously all at once, IG, Twitter, I was like, okay, yeah, something's something's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I feel anxious. What's going on? And then I got the call, I think top of April, and yeah, the programming team were just like, you know, KG, we've shot it straight up to seniors. We've had a talent meeting. Because beforehand they asked me to like send press pics and a bio mm. in. So I was like, okay, I, I think they're going to ask me to, to come on. And yeah, they did. Literally, we're like, we, we want to offer you a cover contract. Um, Come in, get your feet wet. I'm at a point right now where I'm I'm still playing around with different formats at the station because they, they, they just want to see where I fit how I fit type thing because I guess my voice can suit daytime radio as well as sort of like the dance stuff too um Mm. I I was demoing for dance initially because it's just it's closest to what 
I do as a DJ as I'm in the dance realm in electronic music. Yeah. But now I'm playing around with other for- formats too and, and seeing where that goes. But yeah, like yeah. it's official, just a part of the capital team and just so grateful, man. It's it's the biggest challenge of my whole entire life. But <laughs> it's well, like, yes. We're it's incredible. Now. I mean, huge congratulations. And I, I agree Thank with the capital you. team. You have, and I'm sure everyone listening will agree, you have such a wonderful voice. <laughs> Like Thank it's you. it's it's like this perfect combination of warm and just really nice to listen to. Where can people find you and follow you? Where um, you at on the socials? Where am I at on the socials? Well, I'm absolutely every bloody where. Uh, <laughs> you won't have to look far. You won't have to look far. And so it's Karen Yami N Y A M E K G. Um, all all together, small letters. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. What about TikTok? Oh, do you know what? I was, I am on TikTok, but it's, it's a, it's a very, it's a dormant account right now. I'm still trying to, you know, I've got the TikTok training wheels on next. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm building up. I will eventually get to creating content because that's another part-time job. And I have like eight already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's true. And you know what? Like I did not strategize my TikTok. I just, I think I joined it about two and a half years ago. No, yeah. not that I'm exaggerating, but just, just posted a couple of like, just not thought out at all, just like random stuff. And then now it's all about, I don't know. I was watching this thing about, it. it's like, you're supposed to observe what you do and then go out there. Cause that's when you, you know, what's going to be successful. So the algorithm kicks in and it loves okay. your videos. So, so yeah, yeah. So you, you would take your time. Don't, you don't take my time. Like... You can't be aimless with the content. You've yeah. got to really plan in it. Yeah. yeah, really yeah. Plan. Exactly. Because there's some content that doesn't really go off like that. And there's some yeah. content that goes viral and uh, knowing me and, and, and the perfectionist that I am, I need, if, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it properly. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Literally, just don't put any up any old shit like I did. <laughs> just Lex cooking in her kitchen. Yeah, like, I mean, sandwich. What's up? <laughs> so funny. Just you know, oh, me walking down the street, walking the dog. Just like, yeah. girl, this is not interesting. I'm okay, like, no, you've got to just be on the platforms. It's like, no, you've actually got to be got to be doing something creative. You've got to be doing something that is uh, worth people's time. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So funny. Oh my so gosh. I'm, yeah, I'm waiting for the next one. What comes after TikTok? I'll be there. <laughs> Whatever comes after TikTok, I'll join that one. Whatever it is. Yeah. My goodness. And Reels, like um, another friend of mine was like, Reels, it's like a whole, it's like a cinema production. Because yeah. Reels and IG is just another level. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Oh, God. Yeah. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll get there. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening this week. I've been Lex on the Decks, and this has been KG. <laughs> thank you. This was so um, fun. Super fun. And we will see you next week. Bye. What up, Lex? Lex. Yeah. We keep our eyes on the prize. If no surprise, good women, we're destined to rise. Yeah. Inspiring. Some-